Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Last weekend we kicked off a series of messages on the overall title of In Pursuit. We actually began a study this month in our faith groups centered on a verse that's Right at the top of the first chapter, it's the first verse used in our curriculum for our faith groups this quarter. And that is this, in Hebrews 12 and verse number 14, the scripture says this, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In our faith groups, we're talking about pursuing holiness. and Sundays, we're talking about pursuing peace with all people, pursuing peace with all people. We talked about last week, that means freedom from disturbance. It means quiet. It means tranquility, calm, and restfulness. But as we established and looked through some current events, we asked the question, how are we going to pursue peace in this world when our environment seems to be screaming disaster and agitation and war. And so we ask the questions, pursue peace? Seriously? In this environment, you want us to pursue peace. Well, before we can pursue peace with others, there's got to be peace in us. There's got to be peace for me before I can pursue peace in others. Personal peace. Is there peace for me? Absolutely, we're convinced Jesus Christ provides peace to anyone who desires it. Anybody here believe that today? All right, about four of you. Thank God. Great to come to a church where a few people believe Jesus provides peace. A biblical understanding of peace has to start with a Hebrew word that is used. It's shalom. And When we think about peace, we think about the things that aren't happening. If there's peace, there's no conflict. If there's peace, there's no agitation or disturbance. But shalom, the Hebrew word, is bigger than that. It's got some positive impacts in life. And that word carries with it the idea of wholeness, the idea of wellness and of completion in our Lives. One man explained that kind of peace like this. Everything that makes for our highest good. And so in the Old Testament, they're talking about peace. It's everything for our highest good. Wellness, completeness, wholeness. And in the Old Testament, peace wasn't just a concept, but they were always looking forward to peace as a person. Without reading the entire Old Testament, we'll go just to the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 9 and verses 6 and 7, the prophet summarizes this look for peace. He says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many have heard that passage of Scripture before? 
He goes on to say this, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So in the Old Testament, more than a concept, peace was envisioned in a person, the prince of peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there would be no end. So Messiah would bring ever-increasing peace to humanity. Completeness, wholeness, soundness, everything that makes for our highest good. And then Messiah arrives, and Jesus' ministry comes on the scene. And Jesus himself, in John 14, says these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You and I, we often think of peace, we think, Stop the turmoil all around me. But when Jesus speaks of peace, he declares first and foremost, I want to stop the turmoil that is within you. Can I just remind us again today, that's the kind of peace that the Old Testament is talking about. That's the kind of peace that the Isaiah the prophet talked about the Prince of Peace. That's the kind of peace that God Himself wants to bring to humanity. Not just the end of conflict and war, but the end of internal turmoil, the end of internal strife, the end of internal confusion. That is the peace of the Prince of Peace. The Apostle Paul then, in establishing churches around his known world. He explained to the Roman church in Romans 15 and 13 these words, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus provided peace to humanity and that peace lives in us by the Holy Spirit. I commend, as I did last week, to this audience today, if any have not received the Holy Spirit, the indwelling peace, then receiving His Spirit ought to be priority one in every life. Before pursuing peace with others, there needs to be peace for me. And the Holy Spirit gives that peace. Amen? But more than just possessing peace, Paul inspired disciples live in peace. So once we have found this peace and received the Holy Spirit, we can't be tricked into looking for peace in the same failed areas where we searched for it prior to Christ. We don't turn back to those things that were empty prior and now being filled with the Holy Spirit expect those empty things to now have promise. They are still empty things. There wasn't peace there 
prior to Christ. There will not be peace there after Christ. And so I, I remind us afresh that once I have received the Holy Spirit, when I sense a little turmoil, when I sense a little confusion, I'm not going back to dip into humanity's elements in pursuit of peace. Rather, I'm going to look to the Holy Spirit within me. I I'm going to search for that power of joy and gladness and inner peace. All of those were things from last week's message. If you're interested in more, www.livingfaithtabernacle.org Click on the media file. You'll notice last week's message. Download it. Listen in your commute. Much better than the morning traffic report. Paul told the church, live in peace. I think that's really interesting. He doesn't say, test out peace. He doesn't say, have an experience of peace. He says, live in peace. Live in peace. But living in peace is more than the personal element. That's what we talked about last week. It's more than the personal peace. It's more than between me and God. Some of us feel like, you know what? Well, I'm good with God. I've got it settled. Everything's square. I'm fine. That's a great start. That's the beginning of the process. But living in peace, friends, is between me and you. And between you and me. And between each of those of us here and the people around us. Living in peace is relational. Well, there's a lot of excitement in the house right now. I'll talk about that in a minute, but you know what? There's something about us when we think about, I want to be in a right relationship with a perfect, holy, God full of blessings. That sounds incredible. Being at peace with the humans I know. And the excitement leaves the room. Hebrews 12 and verse 14, I mentioned it as the soul verse that kicks off this entire month of material. Pursue peace with some people. Pursue peace with the easy people. Pursue peace with the folks who are pretty much just like you. Oh, if you and I could have written Scripture. The Bible says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know, I, I, perhaps every one of you are so full of the Holy Spirit that when I mention these words, pursue peace with all people, you hear angelic choruses. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You get goosebumps, hallelujah worship, yeah. But some of you who struggle with humanity like me, 
you might read pursue peace with all people and your mind almost immediately say, you know, I know some real pieces of work. Maybe there's three or four other humans who would be candid today. I wonder today, think about that for a moment, pursue peace with all people. Without naming names, what kind of, or elbowing the person beside you, what kind of person comes to mind? When I say pursue peace with all people, what, what things stand in the way of peace with all people? What are the, what are the trouble spots? What are the things that make, that make relational peace difficult? What are the things that make relational peace difficult? When we read the scripture that says, pursue peace with all people, in our experience, in our background, in our interactions with co-workers, neighbors, and folks that are supposed to be family, what are the issues that come to mind? Yes, Kathy, it takes two. Okay? takes two when you're thinking about peace with all people. Somebody else, Evan? Okay, so you think perhaps uh, cultural differences are a challenge to peace. Somebody else? What are challenges? Yes, Caitlin. What? Of course. Personality differences. Other challenges with peace. I'm, there probably are more than three, right? What do you think, Marlene? Okay, sometimes we find core values are different. Things we think important, others may not think important. Yeah, Mark? Traditions. That goes back to cultural and history. Traditions are different. Yeah, Tom? Okay. Different faiths, different values. Again, that goes back to that. What makes difficulty for peace? How about not just, these are some concepts and some core things. Are there any actions that make peace difficult? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. Some outside influences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's going to be okay. You don't have to see those people this afternoon, all right? It's going to be all right. Peace, yes, Haley. All right, communication, lack thereof or um, incorrect or in, incomplete. I think I spelled this wrong. I was proving the point. That's bad communication. <laughs> Someone else. What are the difficulties? What are the challenges? Yes. Oh, past offenses. Can I just write that like this? Grudges. You hurt me before. You're not hurting me again. Anybody not ever felt that way? I didn't think we'd get any hands there. Yeah, another? 
Okay? And isn't it awesome when people lie to you? What other things stand in the way of peace? Someone? Yeah, Sister Jerry. Okay, there's a lack of trust. Trust issues. Have we covered a good many? Have we uncovered many? Okay, other things that come into play. There are possibilities that make relational peace difficult. Uh, how can I think about these situations and others? And the question comes to my mind, how can we best improve on these or remove these or change these or turn around these situations? Because if I'm called as a disciple of Christ to pursue peace with all people, then it just stands to reason that the best I can reduce these things and eliminate these things I'm going to experience more peace with people. Does that make sense? Interestingly, in Romans 14, Romans 14 and verse 19, the Scripture says this. 14, 19, Paul says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. I'd like to take a few minutes in conclusion this afternoon to talk about the things which make for peace. What are the things that make for peace? First thing I'll bring to our minds is this, that statement in and of itself, make peace. Make peace. I'm going to familiar with the comic cartoon, The Peanuts. In the Peanuts, there's a little character, a student by the name of Pigpen. Pigpen evidently has some hygiene issues. Because every time Pigpen is drawn, what's around him? There's some kind of marks, and there's like a cloud around him, right? And when Pigpen comes up to the group, there is this cloud of Pigpen that engulfs and engages the people around them. Just His presence impacts other people. James chapter 3 and verse number 18, James writes this, The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is what I want us to understand. Peace in me. We preached last week, talked a bit this morning, this afternoon about the peace of the Holy Spirit. Peace in me doesn't just engulf the people around me like pig pen's cloud. It doesn't just envelop the people near me. Relational peace isn't like pig pen's fog. Relational peace between human beings isn't some kind of glowing, angelic cloud that engulfs the people around us. That now that I have the Holy Spirit, when I get close enough, there'll be this aura of peace that settles down on people and everyone now is going to be nice to me and I'm going to be nice to everyone else. I wish I could say that was true today, but it doesn't work that way. 
filled with the Holy Spirit, you can have a move of God in our lives today, walk out that door and folks aren't going to start hearing harps playing when we walk by. Relational peace is not automatic. It's got to be made. It has to be made. That's why the Scripture challenges us, pursue peace with all people. Pursue, chase, follow after. Pursuit is active. Pursuit involves energy. It involves effort. Well, preacher, then why should I have peace inside in the Holy Spirit? Because that empowers us. That helps me to be nicer than I could be without it. It helps me to be more gracious than I can be without it. It helps me to be more understanding than I can be without it. It helps me to be more forgiving than I can be without it. But it doesn't make me be any of that. We pursue peace. We are part of the process. Therefore, we must pursue peace and do so seriously, not accidentally. Disciples depend on the Spirit to help us, but peace is still made. It's pursuit. Another thing I want to investigate about peace, I think it was Kathy brought it up early on. Here's the point. I can only do what I can do. There's the element of peace. I can only do what I can do. Romans 12 and verse 18. The Bible says this, If it is possible, everyone say if. Possible. If possible. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as depends on you, peace with men, peace with fellow humans, is a two-way street. And I can only dictate and I can only control my own actions, my own responses. Now, this truth right here has a twofold benefit. A twofold benefit. Benefit number one is this. It relieves me of assuming too much responsibility for peace. How many people in the room, you know your personality, you know your mindset, you know the kind of person you are, you're a people pleaser. You don't ever like to make anybody mad or upset. You want everyone to like you. Let me see your hands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a personality. It's part of a trait. Some of us are wired that way. I don't want to offend anybody. I, I want everybody to like me. Listen, we need to grab hold. If we fit into that category, I can only do what I can do. It relieves me of some pressure. Look, you can be as kind and as nice and done absolutely everything right according to Scripture. The Holy Spirit leading and guiding and directing and holding our hand and putting words in our mouths and someone else can still be a knucklehead. I can only do what I can do. But the scripture also says this. Here's the other side of the coin. If it is possible as much as depends on you. See, while in one regard it relieves the pressure 
on some of us to say, I need to do everything. On the other hand, it warns some of us of assigning too much blame on others. Perhaps you, like me, have been involved in relationships, co-workers, neighbors, friends, people that you've dealt with them, and you've gone to them and say, hey, listen, when this happened, uh, you know, this bothers me because of this way that we work. And the person says, well, that's ridiculous, that's just your problem. And you go back and you're just explaining yourself, you're trying to be a good human, you're using I messages, when you do this, I feel this way because. Trying to help that person interact with you in a better way. And they simply say, that's your problem. Why are you cranky today? What's the matter with you? No matter how you explain yourself, they're always tossing everything back on you. Ever been around such a narcissist as this? That's an enjoyable thing, isn't it? See, the other half of this is to help the narcissists among Christianity. Because even narcissists can be saved. They can be filled with the Spirit. And then the Spirit begins to work on as we allow that to happen. As much as depends on you. In other words, whoever you are in this crowd today, if it's Evan and I make Evan upset, and there's not peace between Evan and I, I have a part in the process. There's something that depends on me. As much as depends on me, I need to take care of. If indeed I offend Caitlin and there's not peace between us, then as much as depends on me, I have to take care of. There is two sides to that coin. It's not all my fault, and some of it is my fault. I'm going to pursue peace with people. I've got to remember that I can only do what I can do. So there's both freedom and responsibility in that regard. And I guess if you're like me and you ask the question, well, how and why and how do I work through that and what does this mean today? I begin to think, well, how am I going to know? If I'm blaming someone else too much, or if I'm not blaming them enough. If I'm blaming myself too much, or I'm not blaming myself enough. Is everybody with me here? How am I going to know that? Well, let me offer some possible solutions. Spiritual reflection, general, general, ooh, I can talk, genuine spiritual reflection. Prayer. So I've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to lead, be led by it and follow it. It's important that there are sincere elements and times of prayer where I'm asking the Lord, am I letting you lead me? Is my attitude being blessed and directed by your Spirit? Are my actions and my assumptions, am I being led by you? There is something about being led by the Spirit. Romans 14 Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is peace in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is powerful in trying to evaluate where I'm at in this peacemaking process. The other thing is the Word. The Bible is filled with relational wisdom. Psalm 119, there are 176 reasons the Bible is incredible in our daily life. And there are many more than that, but that's a great place to start. 
relational wisdom from Scripture? Am I following those precepts? And I think probably one of the most important things is a trusted opinion. Here's a question. What do spiritual leaders see and say to me? Am I accountable to someone? I'm going to tell you straight up, and you ought to be encouraged by this. I continue to have regular conversations with my pastor. In addition to others that I respect and regard. Because I, I want to be accountable to what they may see that I can't see of myself. And I want them to have the freedom to say to me what I need to hear and may not be willing to say to myself. And may not be willing to hear from others. Trusted opinion. I will tell you this, and I, I wish I didn't have this personal example, but right now, I'm aware of a situation entirely outside of this congregation, not at all related to this congregation, but I know a situation right now that could be turned around if folks would just seek trusted opinion. Point us back to prayer and back to the Word. Scripture says, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for Peace, Romans 14 and 19, and the things by which one may edify another. Pursue the things which make for peace. Here's what I realize about this message today. I am probably not bringing any new information to anyone. I was reminded in seminar I attended this week, that this is the case for most human beings. Most of us are educated far above our level of obedience. For most of us, we know more than we live. It's not a matter of knowing what to do. Yes, there are those occasions. But for most of us, we already know what we ought to do. The issue is we're not doing what we know. So concluding this lesson on peace, I would say this afternoon, it's got more to do with how we'll live than what we know. I'm reminding us today of the disciples' call to peace. It's more about what I'm going to do to make peace in my relationships? What will I do in my part? How will I respond to pursue peace with all people? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, in the sound of my voice today, joined with me, men and women of all backgrounds and ages, understanding. And yet, Lord, it's very, very likely that we know exactly the things that need to happen if we are to follow your direction and pursue peace with all people. Lord, it's our prayer right now that you would remind us. Stir the Holy Spirit within us and bring to our minds and attention, Lord, the things that you would have us to do. 
and challenging relationships, Lord, I pray that you would minister in the minds of each and every one. Bring to our attention by the power of your Spirit. The things, Lord, that need to be accomplished and need to be pursued. I pray, Lord, that you would quicken our minds. Remind us, Lord, of things in Scripture, Lord, of things that you have penned, of directives that you have given. Bring to our mind and our understanding, Lord, and further empower us by your Spirit. Right now, Lord, we are surrendering to your Spirit within us, that as you lead, as you guide, as you direct us, Lord, we surrender to your purpose and your direction to bring peace as you design. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Can everybody say amen? I will share just a couple of things and we'll be dismissed. about some practical ways to make peace? Some practical ways to keep peace. The first one is pretty simple. Pause. Pause. I will think before I speak. Had I practiced that today, I would not have made the comment about my wife talking in the microphone. I wish I'd have said that. I intended to do that to make this point right now. But that is not true. Had I paused before I spoke. Can I get a witness? Somebody bail me out here. All right. If I will think before I speak. Pause allows for keeping and promoting peace. The other thing I'm going to do is trust. It was brought up in one of the issues of lack of peace is the inability to trust. And I know that there are people in our lives that because of their ongoing actions, it's very difficult to trust them. I get that. But I can't take that individual and that challenge and put it across everyone else in my life. That's a miserable way to live. Rather, I'm going to give others the benefit of the doubt. You know what? The Scripture says, Mercy rejoices against judgment. My pastor told me years ago, if you're not sure to be merciful or judgmental, always err on the side of mercy. Be more merciful rather than judgmental. Trust. I'm going to give others the benefit of the doubt. Third thing, simple way, make and produce peace in our lives. I will build up and encourage others. I will build up and encourage others. There's nothing that makes peace better than building up others. Encouraging and lifting up others. In fact, that's what the Scripture says in Matthew 14, 19. It talks about pursuing the things that make for peace and for edifying one another and lifting one another up. Those things bring peace. If you'll stand with me. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 13, the scripture says this. He's ending a thought in the first part of the verse, so I'm not going to read that. But in the last part of the verse, there's one sentence. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace 
among yourselves. Peace isn't just internal. It's not just between me and God, but it's between me and you and you and me and the people around us. And can I say it real directly? No one in this city or county is interested in our Savior if you and I are angry, nasty people. I don't want to know who you follow or who you believe in if you are obnoxious. Is that clear enough? We ought to recognize that peace with men, relationships, doing the best that we can on our part, is a powerful witness of the truth of the Spirit working in our lives. As you're dismissed today, be at peace among yourselves in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost.